Welcome to the Believer's Voice of Victory from Kenneth Copeland Ministries. Download the notes at kcm.org notes. So you need to understand that there are some things that are coming in your life and mine. Get excited about it. Get to a place where you're expecting it. But you need to also recognize and ask the Lord, am I ready? Kenneth and Gloria Copeland welcome their grandson, Jeremy Pearsons, to host today's Believer's Voice of Victory. Learn how you can be fit for the fight of faith and prepared for every good work. Now, here's Jeremy. The one thing I want to be more than anything else is fit for my master's use. That's why we've been looking at what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and talked to him about being a vessel that's sanctified. That's verse 21. A vessel that's sanctified and useful to the master. I want Jesus to look at me and say, yeah, you, I can use you to be fit for his use, to be in shape, to be in a condition where he can use me to get something done in this world. And that should be the beat of your heart too. Because you know he loves you, or you better know that. That better be the bedrock foundation that your whole life is built on. God loves me. Jesus loves me. And on top of that, you need to realize that he's called you. And there is a grace and an anointing on your life to do something in, uh, in this world for him, to have an impact on this world. But you've got to understand that just because he loves you and just because he's called you doesn't necessarily or automatically mean he can use you, maybe in the shape you're in, maybe in the shape I'm in. And that's why the Lord spoke to me some months ago and said, Jeremy, I want you fit by 40. So I'm sitting here as a 37-year-old guy realizing, doing the math, okay, I've got two and a half, three years left at this point because something's coming. When I turn 40, the, I, I, I'm, I'm fully persuaded that there is a new phase of life and ministry that's on its way. And like I said to you a couple of days ago, I'm excited about that. That stirs me up to think that way. But right on the other hand, it's also very sobering to realize that what he's saying to me is, I can't give it to you right now. You're not ready for it. I can't bring that next phase, that next step into your life, not in the shape that you're in. But that's why God is so gracious and he's so merciful to give me two, three years to get ready for it. That's the mercy of God. And you need to learn to realize sometimes that the thing you wish you had right now or the thing you think you need right now, oftentimes you don't have it because of the mercy of God. And God's standing there saying, look, I've got it for you, but I can't give it to you because you're just not ready for it. I remember when the Lord brought Sarah and I together. Uh, it's an amazing, miraculous story. I won't get into all the details. It's just one of those stories that will make you believe in God. He did it. He did it. But before he did it, I mean, he had this timing with it. There were some people in our family, well before Sarah and I ever even met each other, they, they knew her and they were trying to set us up and trying to get us together. And they had invited her to come down to Fort Worth. I think it was for a New Year's Eve service. And uh, it was New Year's Eve, 06, going into 07. And 
they invited her to come, but she was already committed to lead worship at the church she was a part of. And uh, so she didn't come. And you might ask yourself, oh, wow, don't you wish you had met her sooner? Because see, we didn't end up meeting for another three months. You might think, didn't you wish you had, had met her sooner? No, absolutely not. Because I remember that night specifically. I remember what was going on in my life that night. I remember being just kind of in some turmoil with some friends and relationships and stuff was just not clicking, just a lot of drama probably that I had let in. I was not ready to meet Sarah. And had I met her, I don't even know that I would have eyes, would have had eyes to see her, to see the gift of God and what he was doing for my life. So God had her and she was ready. He was ready to give her to me, but I wasn't ready. He had his timing. So you need to understand that there are some things that are coming in your life and mine. Get excited about it. Get to a place where you're expecting it, but you need to also recognize and ask the Lord, am I ready? Am I in shape ready for you to bring this thing? That's why Paul said you need to be useful to the master, fit for his use, and prepared for every good work. And what is the good work that you're to be prepared for? It's the thing that he's called you to do. That may look different for you than it does for me, but that's for you to find out. And you need to understand you will never be more satisfied doing anything other than the thing he's called you to do. You'll never be more blessed doing anything other than the thing that he's called you to do. That's where your prosperity is. That's where your peace and your joy is. That's where your healthy relationships are is in the thing he's called you to do. So ask yourself, am I in shape and am I ready? The reason this has been such a strong thought in me over the last several months is because I had to get a healthy dose of correction from the Lord on it. And I told you about sitting out there on that balcony that day uh, in summer of 2016 on vacation with Sarah, hotel balcony, just looking out over the pool and the ocean and the Lord speaking to me and saying, Jeremy, get fit by 40. He's given me this window of time. But some of the things I'd begun to realize shortly before that and then subsequently from that was that there had been some opportunities that the Lord had opened doors to in my life and ministry that I had to get honest with him and realize I wasn't ready. For example, uh, many of you know that my grandparents, Kenneth and Gloria Copeland, just in the last year and some have launched the Believer's Voice of Victory Network. It's just a major arm of outreach and ministry where it's just a, a network of faith teaching and faith preaching 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And before, uh, shortly after they launched that and before they invited other guests to be on it, my grandfather called me. This would have been in, oh, July of 2000, I'd say 15, I think. I may have that wrong, but I think that's about right. And he said, Jeremy, uh, your grandmother and I want to extend this invitation to you and Sarah to have your program on our network. Well, that's wonderful. I knew that the call of God on my life and on Sarah and I together was to be in television ministry. The Lord had told us that years ago, begin taking steps towards a television ministry. Now, six, almost seven years ago, Sarah and I launched out from KCM and started our own ministry. And now we're a partner ministry with this one. And the Lord had instructed us in our own, I want you to have a television broadcast. Use this, this outreach, Believer's Voice of Victory, as an awesome example to us of what it's supposed to look like and what it's supposed to accomplish. 
So in my mind, we're taking steps towards this. But he called me in July of that year and said, now listen, in September, we're going to start putting other ministries on there. Well, that's just a couple of months. And I realized, wow, I'm not ready. I don't have a program yet. So we start hurrying. And I, and I ended up speaking to somebody here at KCM about it. And they said, listen, you know, it's, um, it's just an open invitation so that when you are ready, there's a place for you here on the network. Okay, so that kind of makes me feel better about it, thinking I don't have to have this ready in a matter of days. So September comes, we didn't have a program. October, we don't have a program. November, December, January. Just, just shortly after the new year that year, I wake up to myself one day and realize, what am I doing? My grandfather called what, six months ago, five, six months ago now, and gave me, gave me this golden opportunity that so few people get to go on television and preach the gospel all over the world to do the thing God's called me to do. And I still haven't done it. It's like I woke up. I like the Holy Spirit just shook me and said, what are you doing, boy? And I remember going to my staff somewhere about February last year, 2016, and said, guys, are you familiar with the term light a fire? <laughs> because that's what God's doing under me. And that's what I want to do under all of you, under us. We have got to get this broadcast out. And we got serious about it. And just in a matter of days, just a matter of weeks, we started making our own television broadcast. And it might not have looked perfect right away, but we were working at it. And, and everybody doing it, it was it was all our first time to do any of it. There was nobody there that was trained to do it. Nobody there that went to school for it. I had nothing but a room full of willing hearts. And it was enough. And we got going on it. But shortly after we got started, you know, the Lord spoke to me and he said, Jeremy, you should have been ready the day he called. You should have been ready to go with that television broadcast the day your grandfather called you. And man, that came all over me. And I thought, Lord, I don't even know how I would have done that. But I should have been. I should have been ready the day he called. And if I wasn't, I should have got ready the day that door opened for our broadcast to go on. And still I wasn't. And can I tell you that I let six, seven months go by before we finally went on air. And by the grace and the mercy of God, we got ready. And by his grace, we're on today. But I have had to reconcile with him the fact that I let seven months go by. That's seven months of preaching. That's seven months of being all over the world, making altar calls, giving people opportunity to be born again. That's seven months of giving people opportunity for their heart to resonate with what Sarah and I are doing and partner with us in this. That's seven months of opportunity to preach the gospel and see people's lives changed by it. I wasn't ready. And Sarah and I got together and we got together with our staff and we made this our theme, not just for 2017, but for the rest of the life of our ministry. We will be ready. I'll be ready when the door opens. So when the Lord says to me, Jeremy, I want you fit by 40, you better believe, man, that when 40 gets here 
and the door of opportunity swings open wide for whatever it is he's calling us into next, you better believe I will be there with one foot in the air ready to step through that threshold. Never again will I stand at the threshold of an open door for seven months unable to walk through because I wasn't ready. Now, what about you? What about you? What will you do with this word? Because I guarantee you something's coming. Something is coming in your life that you need to be in shape and ready for. That's why we've been looking at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, that talks about fighting the good fight of faith. The Weiss translation says, be constantly engaged in this contest of faith. Don't disengage from it. Don't unhook your faith. Stay engaged in this fight of faith. Why? Because something's coming that you need to be in shape and ready to go for. That's the condition you need to be found in at all times. And here's the good news. If you're not in shape right now, get honest with yourself, call on the mercy of God, and you can get in shape. You can get fit for the fight of faith. But when Paul said that to Timothy, he said, get into this fight, be good at this fight. Timothy, don't just, don't just stand in the ring and flail your arms. Don't just take blind swings. No, have some technique to your fight. Be constantly engaged in the contest of faith, which contest, he said, is marked by the beauty of its technique. Don't just be in the fight, be good at it. Don't just run the race, run in such a way that you obtain the prize. Don't just get in the, get in the ring, get in the fight and box the air. That's not doing anything. You're not making any impact there. Get in the fight, get some technique to your faith fight. So in the time that we have left, I wanna to go to Romans chapter four. We're gonna look at the life of Abraham. And this man's life is the one that the scripture uses to show us what good technique looks like. And again, remember the difference between somebody who's just starting out in something and somebody who's a professional at it is just a mastery of the basics. When, it, when a kid's just learning a sport, they're learning the very basics of that sport. But then you take somebody who's a professional at it and all that person is, is somebody that's grown in it and developed in it and become a master of those basics. So you take somebody like Kenneth and Gloria Copeland, who I look at and many of us look at and think, wow, that is a, that, they are masters of the fight of faith. Well, really all you're looking at is somebody who has mastered the basics. So when we're talking about developing this technique of faith, we're not gonna jump into something you've never heard. We're not gonna talk about some facet of faith that's never been talked about before. We just go back to the basics of it and we just remind ourselves and train ourselves in these things until we become a master at these techniques. Romans chapter four. This is the New Testament account of the life of Abraham. And I, and I wanna re begin reading in verse 13. We're gonna read down through the rest of this chapter. Notice what it says here, beginning here in Romans 4, verse 13. It says, For the promise that he, Abraham, would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. 
Now, I love this verse because in one verse you have an explanation of everything that God was able to do in the life of Abraham and now what he's able to do in the life of those of us who will believe in Jesus. He said, God didn't make this promise to Abraham. He wasn't promised to be the heir of the world through the righteousness, or excuse me, through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Have you ever stopped to wonder why the Spirit of God would have to use the life of Abraham in the New Testament to try to preach what Jesus has just done for us? I've always thought it was interesting that here we are reading New Testament, but we've got to go back to this Old Testament person to find out what Jesus has just done. And I think the answer is right here in this verse. Paul writing to these people who have lived under the reality of the law for so long and the requirement of the law and trying to measure up to that law and trying to to perform to a high standard to that law. And they've lived all their lifetimes subject to, to the bondage and the fear of death. Why? Because they know, man, if I don't perform right, I got death hanging over my head. So Paul, trying to communicate to these people what's just been accomplished through Jesus, he's saying, look, I got to take you back to a time before the law ever existed. That's what Abraham is. He's pre all that. He's pre-law. He's He's got a relationship with God. He lived at a time when there was nothing between God and man, but God's word towards his man and man's faith in his God. That's the only thing that was between them. There was no law that separated him. There was no consciousness of sin that separated him. And Paul's saying, I got to somehow communicate to you what's just been accomplished in and through Jesus. And to do that, I got to take you back to a time before the law ever existed. And the only thing between God and man was faith. That's it. And Paul's saying, praise God because of Jesus now the only thing between you and God is God's word to you and your faith in him. That's what Abraham is a picture of to us. Verse 14, if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace. See, you always see these two working hand in hand. Faith working with grace and grace working with faith. Grace begets faith, begets grace, begets faith. Grace is God speaking to you. Faith is you speaking to him. And when you get into that conversation with him, then you answer back, then he can have something else to say to you. And then you answer that back. And faith is the only appropriate response to grace. Therefore, it's of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God who calls those things that be not as though they were. We're talking about the basics of faith. Come back to the basics. Some of you heard these truths decades ago, and for whatever reason, you let it slip. For whatever reason, you forgot to keep feeding on this. Well, I'm sitting here telling you today, re-engage with the contest of faith.
get back in this thing and go back to that thing that so just got you so excited decades ago, that thing where you found out there was power in your words and you could speak to things and it would change. You could speak to situations and they had to change. You could speak to sickness and it had to leave because the very basics of faith are calling those things which be not as though they were. This keeps going. Listen to this. Verse 18. Who, contrary to hope, in hope believed. Here again, basics of faith. Let's unpack that sentence a little bit. Contrary to hope, in hope believed. The word hope just means expectation. Abraham, according to the natural, had no reason to expect a son. And yet he expected one. That's what that means. Contrary to hope, in hope believed. There was no reason naturally to expect this thing to turn out good. And still he expected. Still he expected the promise of God to come to pass. Again, verse 18, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was, writ- what was written, so shall your descendants be. Verse 19, not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver, he didn't stagger at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. He wasn't weak in faith. He was strengthened in faith. What have we been talking about for days now? Getting fit for the fight of faith. Abraham wasn't weak. You got to come to the point. Oh, I wish we had more time on this broadcast, but you've got to come to the point and I suggest you do it right now. Come to the place in your life where you decide I'm done being weak. I'm finished with weakness. That's the place I had to come to almost two years ago. Like I said to you a day or so ago, just growing up this skinny, scrawny kid, never really putting on muscle, I had to decide, I'm done being weak. I'm going to start working out. I'm going to see what that does. And as you can tell, it's done quite well. It's still a work, okay? Okay, faith has not yet become sight, but soon. But you've got to make the decision that spiritually speaking, you are done being weak. You are done letting sickness walk all over you. You are done being defeated. You are done living living in depression, living in oppression. You are done being walked over. You're done being a skinny, scrawny spiritual person. It's now time for you and I to get fit for this fight of faith and begin developing and being strengthened like Abraham, strengthened in faith. I want you to notice what that does. He was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Is that what it said? Strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Giving glory to God doesn't just mean you stand there with your arms up and say, I give you glory, give you glory, give you glory, give you glory. No, Faith gives him glory. When you will stand in faith in the middle of the storm while your sight is still unseen and you'll boldly declare the word of God, you'll boldly speak what the word of God has already said, that gives God glory. He loves it. He loves it. So make the decision right now before you do anything else today. Say it out loud. I'm done being weak. I'm going to be strong in my faith. Amen.
We hope you enjoyed today's teaching from Kenneth Copeland Ministries. And remember, Jesus is Lord.